Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Through this little book of Jude, the title of the message today is Get Better, Not Bitter. Get Better, Not Bitter. I think you'll understand that uh, as we read our text. Uh, We'll begin in verse 20, uh, Jude, verse 20 one chapter, and this has been a great study thus far, and I truly hope you'll be blessed today as we read this scripture, and as we are sensitive to the teachings and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as we look into these things. Jude, beginning in verse 20, says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now, before we actually look at the text itself, I want to share with you a conversation I had this past week with a man here in the county. I uh, saw a, a particular man, and I decided I would invite him to come to church with us. And so I walked over, and I said, uh, "I would." We, we had met in the past, so we knew each other, not... Uh, not very well, but we knew each other. And I said, I'd like to invite you to come to River of Life and worship with us. And his response to me was, uh, and I've heard just about everything, but this was a little bit shocking and forthright. He said, uh, no, I don't need to come to church with you. And before I could say anything, he said, uh, because you will not stand up for the truth. And, in fact, you don't stand on anything. You just preach whatever people want to hear. And before I could catch my breath, he said, you know, have you ever been in one of those conversations where you thought, man, I wish I, 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 wish I were not here, and why did I do that? But... Before I could uh, say anything, he said, and I believe he was quoting a TV preacher, this is exactly what he said, and I say this verbatim, he said, you guys, and I guess he was talking about me and local preachers around the area, he said, you guys are cotton candy preachers, just keeping it nice and sweet all the time. Well, I was thinking, wow, after that sermon I preached last Sunday, I... I can't believe anybody would say such a thing to me. And and then I'm still 
relatively quiet in this conversation. He said to me, he said, have you ever taken a stand on same-sex marriage? I said, of course I have. And not only me, but everybody else that teaches and preaches at our church has done the same. I, I, I said, in fact, this past Sunday, I, I'm uh, in the text, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the sexual sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he looked at me and he said, well, have you ever taken a stand on abortion? I said, yes. Yes, me and everybody else who's ever preached in our pulpit. Yes, we, we, we've taken a stand on abortion. In our church, by the way, if you don't know this, you need to hear me say this. In our church, we don't believe life begins at birth. We don't even believe life begins at conception. We believe life is a gift from God and that God knew you even before you were conceived. We believe in a sovereign, all-knowing God. I, can I just stop right here just for a moment? And just in case someone has not been listening, and I'm going to read this to make sure I don't miss anything. We believe homosexuality and same-sex marriage is a sin. We believe abortion is a sin. We believe lust, adultery, infidelity, rape, incest, premarital and extramarital sex is a sin. We believe living together as husband and wife without being married is a sin. We believe pornography is a sin that destroys lives on both ends of the industry, those who produce it and those who buy it. We believe lying, cheating, stealing, dishonesty, and selfishness is a sin. We believe racism is a sin. We believe worshiping anything other than God is a sin. We believe drunkenness, substance abuse, and witchcraft is a sin. We believe vulgarity, blasphemy, and cursing is a sin. We believe unforgiveness and hatred is a sin. I've never received so many amens in my life, I tell you. We believe gossip is a sin. We believe a negative, mean-spirited, critical lifestyle is a sin. We believe that being a busybody and meddling in other people's business is a sin. And I could go on. But I need to jump to this one. We also believe that pointing out somebody else's sin while refusing to deal with your own sin is sin. And one of the strongest beliefs of this church here at River of Life is that if we confess our sins and forsake our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We believe that the same God who has forgiven me of my sins will forgive you of your sins. Basic, you want to know what we believe? I'm trusting that you agree with me on this. We believe that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. 
Now, we take a stand against sin, but we're also in the business of reaching out to people who were in the same state we were in at one time and letting them know that the redeeming, glorious, forgiving hand of God will touch them and change their lives. We're not in the business of beating people up because they sinned. We point it out. We try to reach out to them. Try to love on them. Now, back to my story. Now, obviously, this man was a man of conviction, deeply concerned about the morality or the, the lack of morality in America. He was concerned about the morality issues in America today because he brought up same-sex marriage. And obviously, he was deeply concerned about the failures and the compromises of the church in America. And I do have to tell you, for, those, for that, I applaud him. I, I was glad that he felt that way. But then I, I tried to salvage the situation. You know, I, I wanted to say something redemptive, and I wanted to get us off this question and answer, you, you know, interrogation that I felt like I was going through. And, and so, so this is what I, I said to him. I said, you need to come to church with us, if for no other reason, just a fellowship with other believers. And, and I was thinking, you know, somebody who's, who's willing to take a stand, you, you'll find a lot of folks in our church who feel the same way. They're, you'll connect with people. And I said, so you need to come and fellowship at our church. And this is what he said to me. He said, no, I don't. He said, I can sit home on my couch and hear good preaching on TV. I don't need to come to your church. Now, friends, I don't want to completely throw this guy under the bus. Because I think his evaluation of religion in America is pretty much right on. But I do want to tell you that what this man did not understand was that what he was doing was just as bad as those compromising preachers who will not stand up and preach the Word of God. What he's doing is hurting the church just as much as what they're doing. And his solution to the problem was that's going on in the church is I'll stop going to church I'll stop fellowshipping with other believers. I'll stop tithing and supporting the local church. I'll stop ministering to other people around me and to the community through my local church. And I'll just stand back at a distance and point my finger and I will criticize what's going on in the church. And what he doesn't understand is that's as bad if not worse than what the preachers are doing. And by the way, friends, I really do need to remind you of this. I need to be reminded of this. The church is still the bride of Christ. It is flawed. It is weak. It has mistakes. It has problems. But it is still the bride of Christ. And if I were you, I'd be careful about talking about His bride. I don't think the Lord takes to that very well. Well, Jude is saying in this teaching that basically the way this guy responded is not the way we should respond. 
She goes through all this stuff. Jude, we've already looked at it. It goes through all this stuff that the church is doing that's wrong and that people have done. And then when you begin our text, he says, but you, beloved. But you, beloved. Oh, you're not, you're not like that. that. That's not who you are. Yes, the church is in a mess. Yes, there are some things going on that are negative. But you, beloved. Uh, don't, don't withdraw from the church. Don't abandon the church. Don't give up on the church. No. But you, beloved, there's some things you need to do. You, you need to contend for the faith. You need to build yourself up in your most holy faith. But you, beloved, don't follow suit with the, with the critics. Don't, don't follow the deceivers and the phonies and the hypocrites. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. You see, as things get worse in the world and in the church, you and I should be getting better. See, the way we react to that kind of stuff is we should be getting better. As the world and the church grows weaker and weaker, we should be growing stronger and stronger. He says all this stuff is happening, but you, beloved... Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, Jude compares these deceivers in the church, he, these phonies, these hypocrites, these ungodly people, and that's what he calls them, the ungodly. You got in the church godly people and ungodly people. But, but what Jude says about these people is simply this. He says, uh, as he talks about those in the church who are involved in things they shouldn't be involved in, doing things they shouldn't do, teaching things they shouldn't teach, he says they're like the children of Israel who refused to believe even after they were delivered from Egypt. And he said they're like the angels that are being held in chains waiting for the judgment day because they would not maintain their proper place in the kingdom of God. And, and we've already been over all of this. He says, and they're like Sodom and Gomorrah who have been given over to sexual sin. And, and then he, he, he gives a comparison. He says, they're like Cain who was willing to worship God but wanted to do it his own way. And, and like Balaam who was willing to worship God but he was doing it for what he could get out of it. He was doing it just for profit. And then he likens them unto Korah who led a rebellion against Moses, willing to worship God, but not willing to submit to God-appointed authority. You see, if you read this, and this is not verbatim, but pretty close terminology, basically this is what Jude says about them. He says, these are ungodly people who are motivated by that which is ungodly, they're doing things that are ungodly, they're teaching things that are ungodly, and one day they will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for their ungodliness. I mean, he does not, he does not cut them any slack. He blisters them. But then as we begin in verse 20, notice he says, but you, beloved. His terminology changes completely. It becomes tender. He, he, he really rakes these deceivers over the coals. But then he says, but you, but you, beloved. Yes, 
There are deceivers in the church who are misleading people. But you, beloved. Yes, there are phonies and fakes and hypocrites in the church. But you, beloved. I, I, I love the, the way he turns and begins to address those Christians. Yes, there are those who cause division and are always stirring up strife. But you, beloved, and yes, one day Jesus Christ will return with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on the ungodly. But you, beloved, yours is another story. That's not you. That's not what you have to look forward to. But you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith. That's what he tells that's, that's what he tells them to do. And by the way, and you should really mark this in your Bible, and you don't even have to write out what I'm about to tell you because it's outlined so beautifully in your scriptures, but this is a page you should turn down. He doesn't just say, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. He tells us exactly how to do it. He gives four things in there. If you want to know how to build yourself up in your holy faith, if you want to know how to grow in grace, if you want to know how to mature in the Lord, if you want to know how to become a true man or woman of God, follow these four things. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking unto the mercy of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ and helping and saving as many people as you can along the way. That's, that, that's what he says. And man, what an amazing statement. Let's, let's go through these. First of all, praying in the Holy Spirit. He says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, I did some research on this. I found three places in the New Testament where different writers use the same, the same expression, praying in the Holy Spirit. And one of them says, this is the Apostle Paul, one of them says praying in the Holy Spirit on all occasions with all manner of prayer. Now the reason I share that with you is because every now and then somebody will say, I believe praying in the Holy Spirit means praying in tongues. Well, I personally think it includes that, but I don't think that's what that's talking about. Because Paul says praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all types of praying. The point is, friends, that when you and I pray, if we want to build ourselves up in prayer, we have to pray in the Holy Spirit. That means pray with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit in concert, in communion with the Holy Spirit. That means that when you go to your prayer time, you don't just go in and rattle off a bunch of prayers. You go in and get sensitive and still before the Lord. And you say, Holy Spirit, help me to pray today. Show me, lead me, and guide me. I need to appear before the throne of God with some requests. And I can't make that journey by myself. Holy Spirit, I need you to go with me. I need you to help me. I need you to show me how to pray. Did you know the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8th chapter, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit helps us? Oh, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And by the way, just in case you have forgotten, and I do think we're living in a generation which has uh, little by little forgotten prayer and the power of prayer. But just in case you've forgotten, prayer is powerful. Oh, prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. Have you ever been prayed for, ministered to, and it impacted your life? I, I, I tell you, I have what I call spiritual benchmarks all back down through my life. And quite a few of those spiritual benchmarks have to do with prayer. Being in prayer or being prayed for. Or, or God ministering to me in and through prayer. I've had some great men of God pray for me. And uh, wow, I remember so, so many of those. I, there was a, a prophet... And by the way, I do not believe in prophets like in the New Testament days, like we had in the Old Testament days, but I do believe, according to the gifts of the Spirit, that there are people who do flow in what we call the prophetic. They have insight and understanding and knowledge that some of us don't have, and I don't have the gift of, of prophecy. I think my wife does. And maybe your wife does too. But anyway, that's, uh, uh, that's beside the point. Um, I, 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 we had a group of people in this church who decided to go to Jacksonville because there was a prophet coming to Jacksonville and he was going to minister there, minister there, large church, seats about five, 6,000 people, and we were going to go to hear this prophet. I was excited about it and, and, and not negative, a little bit skeptical, but not negative, and I wanted to go hear this prophet and so... I went with them. Mainly, I didn't want our church members going by themselves. I felt like I needed to go and protect them. And uh, so uh, we get there. Song service is going great. Worship is going great. Everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden, my wife is seated by me. And it's rare that I get this kind of leadership from the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Get up and leave. And I thought, Whoa! Whoa, something's wrong here. Get up and leave. I, I bowed my head. I said, Holy Spirit, please, please. I, I, I came over here to hear what's going on. Leave now. Get up and leave. I mean, I got such a strong impression from the Holy Spirit. I leaned over and I took my wife by the hand and I said, we have to go. She said, why? I said, I don't know. But I know we have to go. And then I tapped several of the people around us who had come from this church, and I said, we have to go. And they all said to me, no. And, and I, I said, <laughs> I said, I'm your pastor. We have to go. And they said, no. And, and, and my wife left with me because I think she felt sorry for me. And, and so, so we get up and, and they kept shaking their head. Don't leave. We came to hear him. Don't leave. I said, I don't know why. I've got to go. And we got up. My wife and I walked out the doors and we were kind of parked on the side. So we turned to walk down a side hallway. And when I turned to walk down that side hallway, a man stepped out and started toward me. And the moment he did, I recognized it was the prophet that we'd went over there to see. And as he walked toward me, he pointed his finger at me, 
And he walked right up to me and he got in my face. And he said, the Lord wants you to know. And he began to speak. And when he began to speak, the Holy Spirit just started flowing all over me. And he began to tell me things about me and my past and where I'd been, where I was going and what God was going to do and some of the things that would happen in my life. And I am standing there in unbelief and my wife was standing by my side. And little by little, a crowd, they were all in there waiting for him. They were waiting for the prophet and I was out there talking to him. And people began to gather around and then he laid his hands on me and he prayed for me. And, uh, and, and I, I just felt the overwhelming presence and power of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's power in prayer. But, by the way, when we met up at the hotel and they told me I missed it, what a great service it was. I said, if you'd have followed your pastor... Yeah. You'd have met him face to face. By the way, having said all that, he was a man just like you. He was just like us. He was a man and there's absolutely nothing to him apart from what God wants to do through him. I want to tell you, we have one hero, don't we? His name is Jesus, isn't it? We have one hero. <clears throat> and, and, and we find even Abraham in the Bible saying, within me dwelleth no good thing, and how to perform that which is right I find not. I am but dust before you, O God. There's nothing to any of us apart from Christ. I, I'm saying that because I don't want you to think I'm elevating this one particular spiritual gift. I'm just telling you there's power in prayer. And, and then... And then um, I, I was here, I think we were still in the worship center down in Sapchapi, and we were all praying one night, and uh, there was an elderly pastor in our county that was there, and he walked up to me, uh, 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 Brother Claycomb. Did I say that right? Brother Claycomb. Any of y'all remember Brother Claycomb? Yeah. He walked up to me, and when he walked by me, he just put his hands on me. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, just bless him. I hit the floor like a ton of bricks. I mean, I went down. Bam! I hit the floor. And I know somebody here is going to tell me before you leave here today, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Neither do I. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But I still hit the floor. And I still felt the blessings of God. And I felt waves of the Holy Spirit coming over me. And I tell you what, foolishly, foolishly, have you ever thought about how foolish we can be? I, foolishly, I struggled with all of my might to get up. And once I got up, I got, I was thinking, I'm going back down. <laughs> Listen, if God wants to put you down, He can put you down. He can get your attention. You see, I can look back over my life and there are a lot of those benchmarks where God did something in my life and it was powerful. It was meaningful. And there's power in prayer. But child of God, please listen to me. The prayer that will penetrate your life. The prayer that will build you up beyond your wildest dreams. The prayer 
that will build you up in your most holy faith is not a prayer that somebody else prays for you. It is a prayer that you pray on an ongoing basis in communion, in concert, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I, I don't want to insult anybody here today. But you can chase every evangelist, you can chase every prophet, you can uh, chase every crusade and every evangelistic movement in America. You can walk down the aisle at every invitation. You can be prayed for from now until your life is over and never grow in grace. But I want to tell you the moment you start getting before God with the help of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit comes in and begins to lead you, and you submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, you will begin the process of building yourself up in your most holy faith. This is good stuff. Praise the Lord. And then he says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. In verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. No matter what happens, you have to keep yourself in the love of God. You have to keep yourself from getting negative and critical and mean-spirited. That's something you have to do. The world's in bad shape. If you're like me, and I'm not trying to project my feelings on you, but just about every time I turn the news on, I get nauseated. I, I, America, our government, our politics... On both sides are an embarrassment. Oh, friends, things are not good. In America, in the world, in the church, there's a lot of stuff going on. But you and I, but you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't allow yourself to become negative. Don't allow yourself to become critical. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, do you remember that little chorus we used to sing? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Come on, there's at least three of us in here that remember that. <laughs> Opens prison doors. Sets the captives free. I've got a river of life. Flowing out of me? Oh, friends, if you will keep yourselves in the love of God, if you will make sure that you are not being dragged by the negative current and the criticism of the world down a road of depression, if you will keep yourselves in the love of God, there will be a river of life flowing out of you. By the way, if you want to ask me, how, do you, how, how can I keep myself in the love of God? Well, I'd start by praying in the Holy Spirit. So they're connected. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. I, um, th this is a story that has taken place right here in this church over the last few years. But about three or four years ago, I met a guy. Uh, uh, tried to talk to him about the Lord. He said, don't talk to me about the Lord. I don't want to talk about religion. I don't talk to people about religion. That's none of your business what's going on with me. I said, well, that's fine. So help me. 
I said, that's fine, but I'm a Christian. If you talk to me, we're going to talk about the Lord. And so he said, well, I don't talk about the Lord. And I said, well, then you just listen. So anyway, I met with him on several different occasions. And finally, it was like, listen, there is something to persistence. It, it, it was like he was waving a white flag. He said, okay, I give up. Just take your shot at me. Tell me what you want to tell me. I shared with him the plan of salvation, how God would miraculously and gloriously change his life. While I was sharing it with him, big tears ran down his cheeks, and, and, and I prayed with him, and he received Christ, and he came to this church. He lives in Tallahassee. He came to this church, and he walked down the aisle, and he made a profession of faith, and I gave him a Bible, and then he started giving Bibles away to other people, and I started providing him with the written prayer that I had given him. And we've stayed in touch now for several years. I was trying to witness to another man in Tallahassee the other day. And he was telling me about some of his acquaintances. And I said, would you by chance know? And I called the guy's name out. And this is what he said. He said, oh yeah, I know him. He said, and I want to tell you. Now this guy's not a believer that was talking to me. He said, I want to tell you, if I've ever met a Christian man, that man's a Christian. If I've ever met somebody full of the love of God, he's full of the love of God. If I've ever met somebody who's a joy to be around, he's a joy to be around. I want to tell you, just two or three years ago, walked down the aisle in this church, gave his heart to Jesus, and a reputation through the city of Tallahassee is being established. He's keeping himself in the love of God. All oh, friends, and by the way, by the way, if you're not doing so good right now, I'm worried about you because it's about to get worse. America's going to get worse. The church is going to go through some hard times. There will be persecution. And we better learn how to keep ourselves in the love of God. We better learn how to pray in the Holy Spirit. We better learn how to keep ourselves in the love of God. And I want to tell you, though, friends, when you do that, when you keep yourself in the love of God, nobody can steal your joy. Nobody can steal your joy. All right, we got a couple more, and I'll make it fast. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the first thing you do. Keep yourself in the love of God. And then looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking for the mercy of God. Do you know what that is, friends? That's faith. See, when you're looking for the mercy of God, when you're looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's faith. That's faith that God will keep His promises. That's faith in a faithful God who will do what His Word says He will do. When you wake up in the morning and you're looking for the mercy of God, by the way, if you're looking for the, the, the bad, the ugly, the negative, the critical, if that's what you're looking for, that's probably what you'll find. But if you wake up in the morning looking for the mercy of God, that's what you'll find. By the way, do, do, you, know the, do you know what the saddest book in the Bible is? The saddest book in the Bible? You should. You should know just by its name. It's called Lamentations. It means to lament. It means to cry. It means to weep before the Lord. 
in the book of Lamentation, the saddest book in the Bible, it says, and I quote, His mercies are new every morning. Every morning of your life when you wake up, His mercies are new. He's a merciful God. He loves us. He cares for us. And I want you to know that while the world's going down, we should be going up. While the world's getting darker, we should be getting brighter. We should be praying in the Holy Spirit. We should be keeping ourselves in the love of God. And we should be looking unto the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Do you know why it says unto eternal life there at the end? Because this is the bottom line, friends. We should keep our eyes forward in time looking for the eternal life that He has promised us through His mercy. And we should also, while we're gazing upon that, we should be expecting His mercy and grace in our lives every day. Every day. There's mercy available for you today. Don't get bogged down in the details of how bad it is. Friends, look for the mercy and the grace of God. Don't forget to have faith in God and trust God. God has promised and He is faithful. And then lastly, saving those who can be helped. Look at verse 22 and verse 23. And on some have compassion. But By the way, isn't that interesting? One more time. And on, say it with me. Some have compassion. It doesn't say have compassion on everybody. I, by, by the way, friends, we're not to go out into the world and be warm, fuzzy, and cozy with everybody. That's not what it says. It says, and on some have compa compassion. What does it say? Making a, a distinction. That means you need to be you need to be taking notice. You need to make a distinction. On some have compassion, making a distinction. I, I, I read somewhere, somebody said about this, we need to make a distinction between the weak and between the willing. Those who are, who are just weak, those who have been misled, those who are going down the wrong path, those who are making mistakes, those who are being deceived, we need to make a distinction between those and, those and the others who are willing and committed and purposely moving in the wrong direction. We need to make that distinction. And, and, and what he says is, is, he says, have compassion on them. Uh, listen, we shouldn't go out and beat people up. I'm telling you, he's given a, a long laundry list of what these deceivers are like. And then he tells us, let's, ha let's show some compassion. Now, I don't think he's talking about going after hardened sinners in this particular verse. But he says, on some, show compassion. Make a distinction. Look past the, the immediate and show some compassion on them. Now, look at verse 23. But others... Now, I'm assuming these others are not the ones that you would have the same kind of compassion on. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Do you know, in the Bible, garments 
are an indication of lifestyle, right? If your garments are filthy, you're filthy, right? If your garments are white and clean, you're white and clean. By the way, one day we'll be given what? White robes. That's what the scripture says. Because we will have been made fully and completely clean through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh, listen to this, very important, friends. On some people we're to have compassion, but on others we're still trying to save them even though we hate everything about their lifestyle. We despise their lifestyle. We hate their lifestyle. We don't don't want anything to do with that lifestyle. And we need to be careful that we don't get touched by that. But the same is true. We need to show compassion on some, making a distinction, and then on others, we understand that there is nothing about them that's good. They have been given over to evil. We need to hate their very lifestyles. But at the same time, notice, we are to try to save them. I, I want to tell you, friends, there are people in and around us. I'm including me in this picture. There are people in and around us that are already citizens of hell, if you please. They don't want to be saved. They don't care a thing about salvation. They don't want to hear about the Bible. They don't want to have anything to do with us. They dislike us. We are disgusting in their eyes. They are citizens of hell already just as much as you are a citizen of heaven. But there's something about the power and the grace of God that you can reach out and snatch them, as it were, out of the flames of hell. Hating everything about the way they've lived. But you can love them as a sinner and snatch them, as it were, out of the flames of hell. Like brands plucked from the burning, another passage of Scripture will say. Now, uh, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here because I want to I close out here with this. And that is that Jude talks about all these deceivers, but he says, but you, beloved, you've got to build yourself up in your most holy faith. You've got to pray in the Holy Spirit. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God. You've got to keep looking every day into the mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And don't forget, you're here on mission. You're here on ministry. We are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, We are to be in the soul winning business. And there are some people out there that we need to deal compassionately with and tenderly with. And there are some people... You know what? By the way, friends, do you know anybody who's a hardened sinner? Not receptive at all? Well, go witness to them. Try to snatch them out of hell. If they get mad with you, what's going to happen? They're going to hell anyway. Well, what do they do? Go to hell number two if they get mad with you? Hell is hell. The fire is the fire. So some people, be slow, be compassionate, be tender. Try to help them. And on others, get in their face. Do everything in your power. To save them. And as crazy as this sounds, if you'll do that, you will lead some to the saving grace of the Lord. But not only that, listen, not only that, while you're doing all four of these things, praying in the Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking in the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and helping and saving others, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to think, my goodness, I'm growing in grace. 
I'm becoming what God's always wanted me to become. Now, we won't ever get there. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Thank you again for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit riveroflifefl.com.